Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. The end of the world. How you guys feel about that? <laughs> Some of you are going, I can't wait, right? <laughs> yes, it's over. Man, I won't have to go to work on Monday if it ended today. <laughs> no reason to prepare. And Some people feel that way, right? What comes to mind when you think about the end, the end of time, the apocalypse, the walking dead. No, I'm just playing. But what, what comes to mind, sorry, what comes to mind when you think about the end? Is, is it a feeling of, of exhilaration? You go, hey, Jesus is coming. Or is it, I've read some of the book of Revelation and it's confusing. Or maybe you've read some of it or you've heard something about it or you've seen some of these imagery like we just showed and you're going, uh, I'm a little scared. <laughs> um, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit afraid about it. And what I like to do with that is, is I go. I'm just going to keep living my life and act like that stuff doesn't exist because that's a little scary. And um, and I can understand that. Or or you maybe like me where you go. You know, my wife's a little bit like that. She doesn't like scary stuff. But I kind of do. You know, like when you pass an accident, and you're like, I have to look. You know, or or you're watching a scary movie. Anybody like? How many people like scary movies? How many people don't like scary movies? My wife hates scary movies. And um, if I watch a scary movie, then I have to watch Sound of Music, and that's scary. <laughs> that's kind of scary for me, really. But anyway, uh, so w- whenever she's gone, then I watch all the scary movies. So I line them up when she's gone, and I'm sitting there in the house by myself. So if you want to scare me, that's a good time. When she's gone, come scare me because I'm by myself in the house watching scary movies. And, uh, but I have to look. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where I don't know if I'm excited or scared or what. And that's not, I think some people look at the end of time like that, and I think there's some people that are very practical people that go, well, what can I do about it? Why do I need to focus on it? Why do we even need to talk about it? And today we want to talk about why, what, why is it important? What, what's, what's important about the end? And why do we need to know it? What's not important? What is important? In fact, we're going to talk about the most important. If you get what we talk about today, you'll understand everything you need to know about the end. Now, we're going to pack it all into two messages. You might want to come just to see how can a pastor pack in, <laughs> in two messages, everything about the end time. But I can't. But what I can do is this. I can tell you everything vital about the end that you need to know. In fact, I don't need to wait till next week. I can tell you today the vital stuff that you need to know. If you get this, you'll have it. If you don't get what we talk about today, I don't care what books you read. I don't care how much more you know. It won't make sense. It won't work if, if you don't have what we talk about today. Does that make sense? So I want to get into it a little bit. So the first thing I want to do is this, is talk a little bit about John the person who wrote the book of Revelation. So we're going to turn to Revelation, the first book, the last book in the Bible that speaks the most about what is to come. And so let me tell you a little bit about John, who the Holy Spirit inspired to write the book of Revelation. So here's how he got that revelation. He was on the island of Patmos. Um, you might not know where it is because it's in the middle of nowhere, in nowhere. And the only reason why we know it today is because John wrote it. And so people go and visit this island in the middle of nowhere. Um, and the reason he was there was all the apostles. John was the youngest of all the apostles. So when Jesus started his ministry, he went around and he called people to follow him. And John was the youngest. And so he had been there and, and so he had, he had followed Jesus. He saw his miracles. He was there when Jesus did everything. It was awesome for him. He was there when Jesus Christ died on the cross. In fact, he was the only disciple there to see Jesus on the cross. And then, and then after Jesus died, he was there when he was buried. 
He was there when he rose from the dead. He got to, to witness the resurrected Christ. He was there after the resurrection when Jesus came back and spent 40 days on the earth. And then he was there when Jesus ascended back into heaven. He was there when the church started on the day of Pentecost. And he was a big part of the movement of the church that he went out and he started several churches himself. Not only in Israel, but also in Asia Minor, in the, in the biggest, some of the biggest metropolitan areas. In the book of Revelation, he writes seven letters to some of those churches. Absolutely amazing. But what, he, what happened to John was all the apostles, as they got old, were martyred off. That Nero hated Christians, and he killed them in some horrible ways. And he wanted to kill John, so he boiled him in a vat of oil. And then he exiled him to the island of Patmos because he didn't die. So basically he wanted him dead. He didn't die. So he just said, you'll live out the remainder of your life. Here's your retirement plan on this island by yourself. Now, how many people would like that? Tropical island, all by yourself, nobody there. That's okay. Sorry, I'll see that hand. You're good. <laughs> okay. Everybody else is going, really? <laughs> no, I'm just playing. If my brother was here, he would stand up and say, amen. Okay. He would love that. He was like, I don't understand. He saw that movie, Cast Away, and he was like, I don't understand. Why was he excited when they rescued him? <laughs> you know, he's like, why would you want to get off the island? You know, be by yourself. But John was a people person, okay? like the rest of us. It's okay. You're okay. You're welcome. And, uh, but John was a people person and he wanted to be around the followers of Jesus. So he, he longed to be with his churches. And as he got old, and I think most people, as they get older, they're going, I want to be with those people I care about most. I don't enjoy most of the creature comforts. My body hurts all the time. That's how he was. But you know what? I want to be with the churches. And, and he woke up one Sunday morning on a beach by himself, an old man. And Jesus came to him that day by himself. And he said, you know what, John, I'll do church with you today. And here's what I'm going to do. John, you don't know anything about in the first century. You don't know anything about IMAX. <laughs> well, I'm about to show you the greatest IMAX movie of all time. You're going to witness the apocalypse. And John, it's going to scare you to death. I mean, John, it's going to blow your mind. You're going to see things that you can't even describe. And then I'm going to give you the great privilege of writing all that down. <laughs> Um, and if you see it, if you've read the book of Revelation, you understand he saw some things that are like, what is that, right? I mean, you ever seen that stuff? And so John did the best he could to write down what he saw. Even John didn't understand it all. So if you didn't understand the book of Revelation, how many people understand everything about Revelation, the book? That's good, thank God. You know, if you do, come on up, you're welcome to teach it yourself, because I don't, you know, I mean, I'll be honest. And I don't think you need to, and today we're going to talk a little bit about that. But John wrote down all these things that were to come. And I think they're important, and today we're going to talk a little bit about it. The first thing I want to show you is this, is that John writes right at the beginning of the letter, he says this, blessed, in fact, this is in your outline, I want you to circle it, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. I want you to underline that part too, okay? Circle blessed and underline the time is near. So let me explain a couple things. One is, the reason why we want to study end times is because you're blessed if you study it. And I think when you see what we talk about today, you're going to understand where the blessing comes from. Okay? And today we're going to talk a little bit about that, that we're blessed by knowing what's going to happen. He's saying this should be a blessing to you. The other thing he says is this, because the time is near. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I'm confused, okay? He says the time is near. It's been over 2,000 years. I don't know what <laughs> vocabulary he's using, but it's been a while. Uh, not so sure it's near. No, I think what he means is this. There's urgency to it. And, and I picked up on that word, and I know I'm picking on it because I want to highlight it for you to go this. It's urgent. Pay attention to this because the blessing isn't somewhere out there that you don't need to focus on. It is important that you're focused on this because the time is near. It means it's urgent. You better be paying attention because maybe you didn't know, but the book of Revelation is practical. Maybe you never thought of it that way. But what we're going to talk about today is very practical. It will change your life if you let it, okay? Okay. 
All right, so the first thing I want to do is this. I want to show you all the prophetic verses in the Bible that I know of about the end time. So here they are, and I want you to write them all down. Okay, no, I'm just playing. Now, they're all in your outlines today, so if you didn't get an outline, you want a copy of that, that's fine. But here's what I'd like to say. If you want to know about the end times, you want to know what God has to say, if you want to know what's in the Word of God about the end times, and I mean no disrespect when I say this, please read the Bible, okay? Now, I say that, and let me tell you why I'm saying it. Because a lot of people are learning a lot of things about Revelation, and it has nothing to do with the Bible. I can guarantee you they never read these scriptures. Now, what they've seen is a reference. What they've seen is one scripture taken out of context that means all these different things. And I don't care how many charts. I don't care how many books. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't care how many letters you have after your name. Where you get your information is the scriptures of God. Okay, so these, to the best of my knowledge, just hit. I'm sure there's going to be a scholar here that goes, you missed one. I know that. Okay, I'm good with that. So if you find one, great, share it with us. We'll be happy to put more on here. But this is a great place to start. Okay, and this will tell you things you know to be at the end. Now, some of this stuff you're not going to understand. Some of it's going to make sense. Some of you got to read it several times. Some of it you're going to drown in. Some of it you're going to go, I don't think I'll ever understand that. And you won't. God never intended for you to understand everything. Can I tell you that? In fact, he even says that half has not even been written about it. If, if everything about Jesus was written, the world couldn't contain the books. Okay? So he already knows you're not going to understand it all. It's supposed to be shadows of what is to come to give you some hope and some peace and to focus on that. And so I just want to make sure you're clear on that. The reason why I'm telling you this is I'm putting my teacher hat on just for a minute because I see a lot of people telling me what they know, but they've never read the scriptures. That's dangerous. Can I tell you what cults are about? Cults are like this. You, you read what somebody wrote, you read their paradigm, you read how they view it, then you read the scriptures through their lens. That's how cults start, okay? And what it means is, I only know one scripture, I don't know the context of it, but I've just seen that one scripture out of context. And so, the Bible is nothing else, but it's a very logical book. It's not illogical, it isn't hard to read, it's, 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 it's to be read literally, which means like literature, meaning you read it in the context it was intended, not in some esoteric experience, not in some weird thing that's over here. And as you read it, what you're going to find is you're going to even find some mainline things, evangelicals believe, that you're going to say, I don't think it says that. I don't see it here. And they go, where did they come up with that stuff? And I go, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so there's all kinds of things being written. These are all the verses. Read them for yourself, and you can come up with your own conclusion. But what I want to do is, and then you can get all the helps that you want, okay? Does that make sense? I'm not trying to be condescending or angry or, or ranting, but I just want to tell you because I see a real problem in the church world today. If there's an issue that is dividing our church, it's the study of the end times. It is dividing us up in ways that we never thought would happen. It is causing people that were rational people that believed in the word of God to turn to absolute and utter heresy. And, and, and applaud it as if they found some new revelation. And there is no new revelation. There's only one revelation, and that's God's. And it's found right here, and it's very simple, and you can understand most of it. Get it? And so I just want to make sure we're clear on that because I go, if you are, we'll be blinded and we'll come up with all kinds of crazy things. It'll make more sense when I explain it in just a minute. So <laughs> what I'm about to do today is this. I am not going to share all about revelation, okay? What I want to share with you today is vital information that you need to know. Okay, does that make sense? Now, let me explain what that means. My wife does that to me because I am ADD with a capital A, okay? And so, herd, you know, it's like herding cats for me. So it's like, John, I need you to focus, all right? These are vital. And I go, Bree, please put it in bullets because you go on and on, okay? You get the idea. And so she goes, fine. These are the three things you need to know or you will die. You got it? If you don't do these three things, you will die. Now, let me tell you what God's saying today. 
I know there's lots of things about Revelation. I'll be happy to talk you to death. I know a lot about it. I'm sure there's people in here that know more than me. Not very, probably very many. Okay, I'm just playing. But, but I do know a lot about it. I've spent a lot of time studying. I've been to several debates on it. I know a lot about the book of Revelation and end time. So don't feel like I don't know and haven't done my homework. But what I want to tell you is the vital information is very simple. And you might look at it and go, really? That's it? That's all you want to talk about? No, this is important. And I think by the end, you're going to see, if you don't focus on this, you're going to miss God's point. And what it's going to do is, what Satan has done is, he's driven a wedge in the church. What should have brought us hope is bringing division, and there's no reason for it. And today we're going to talk about why is this important, what is God's plan. And I got a feeling for some people, you're going to walk out the door not afraid, but with the greatest hope that there has ever been. Okay, you ready? Three things that are vital. Three things I need to know about the end of time. Okay, number one. Jesus Christ will really, really return, okay? And I want you to put that, really, really, okay? I didn't, I didn't make miss words, so if you want to write down notes and you want to quote me directly, Jesus Christ will return, really, really, okay? Would you please put that down? And there's a reason why I'm saying that, because you're going to see, okay, I'll talk about that in a minute. All right, so let me show you where that's found in Scripture, because we're, we're going by Scripture. So last week we talked about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16, and we'll put that up on the screen. Before we go there, Jesus has said this more than one place in the book of John. It says that Jesus said to them, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in fact, he said, if I go, if I leave you, because they're all scared, they're like, you keep saying you're going to die, where are you going? And he goes, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then he later on, he said this. He said, if I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come back and receive you unto myself. That's what he taught his disciples. That's Jesus' own words. Now, last week, we finished out a series, and we talked about the hope for the future, that it's so important to concentrate on. And I want to come back to those verses today in 1 Thessalonians. The Apostle Paul was writing a letter to the church at Thessalonica because they were scared about the end. They were scared because they said, Jesus said he would return, and he hasn't done it yet. And some of our relatives have died, and we don't know they're going to make it in the the Revelation. Other ones at Thessalonica were saying, we think Jesus might have came back, and he forgot about us. He left us behind. Okay, no pun intended. But but he left us behind, okay? And he's going, wait, let me solve this problem for you, okay? Here's what he says. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. He's He's putting to... that he's putting to sleep their, their doubts about Jesus Christ's return. Now, let me pause there. Before that, he, he, he hinged it on something very important. He said, Jesus Christ will return as true as the gospel is. It's as true that he will one day return. Does that make sense? In fact, that's what he said. It was an if-then statement. He said, for as we believe in the, in the, in the resurrection and we believe in the crucifixion of Christ, that's, that's our salvation, right? He said, this is true. That's pretty important, right? He's making this a foundational doctrinal issue, that Jesus Christ's imminent and literal return is a doctrinal issue that we stand on, okay? And I just want to be clear, that's what the Apostle Paul is teaching, that's what God is teaching, and it's extremely important. Okay, verse 17, after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air, and so will we be with the Lord forever. Jesus Christ will return. This is not the only scripture. You can go look up the other ones over and over and over. The hope of everyone is Jesus Christ coming back and setting all things straight. Does that sound good to everybody? You want to know what that looks like? Read the end of the book, Revelation 21 and 22. We, or, yeah, we looked at that last week, and it, where it talks about no more death, no more crying, no more pain, no more sorrow. Does that sound good? Everybody want some of that? I think I forgot to describe that first service. They're going, Jesus is coming. What does that mean? <laughs> um, so let me tell you what it means. No more death, no more pain, 
Finally, he'll set things straight. You know, when you say there's injustice in this world, I don't know that it'll ever be set straight. Jesus will set it all straight. And then you're going, what is he waiting on? He's waiting on another person to come to repentance. That's it. That's what he wants. He's going, I'm waiting till all can have a chance to come and know me. And, and, and when that day comes, then I'll come back and I'll set it all straight. And, and that's, what, that's what we need to know. Now, for some, it's going to bring, it's going to be a tremendous amount of joy that Jesus will return. For others, it'll bring a tremendous amount of fear. If you're found in Christ, it brings a tremendous amount of joy, meaning if you have faith in Jesus Christ, we've been separated from God by our sin, right? That's what we learn. And that, that the day of resurrection means that our choice will be codified, whether we choose Christ or whether we rejected Christ for all eternity. There will be a great white throne, and on it will sit Jesus, and the deciding factor will be this. Do you have a relationship with him? If you don't, you get to stand on your own merit, which isn't good, right? And you're separated from God for all of eternity because of our own choice. For the God, people that believe in Christ, he will set all things straight. And that is, the, that is the absolute hope that we have. The number one thing you need to know about the end is this. Jesus Christ will really, really return. Okay. Now that might be hard to understand today because we don't live with that. Okay. But we're looking for his return. In fact, in the, in the, in the Old Testament, or in the, um, in the other parts of the Bible, in Revelation, it ends by saying, Maranatha. You know what that means? Even so come Lord Jesus. That's what they would say to each other. In fact, the believers, when they saw each other, what it means is they would say, Maranatha, Jesus could come back today. So number two, number one, Jesus Christ will really return. Number two, the second thing you got to know is this, Jesus can return at any time. Now this might seem simple, but but I'm telling you, people have made this very complicated <laughs> lately. And I've seen a lot of books written that didn't say this. So, so let me share with you these scriptures, and I'll tell you what it means. 1 Thessalonians 5. So we're kind of skipping over. Paul, Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians 4, and we just covered that, saying he will return. And then he goes on to describe it further in chapter 5. He says, now, brothers and sisters, he's talking to believers, about the times and dates we do not need to write you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come You want to underline this? Like a thief in the night. Now, how many thieves do we have here today? Don't raise your hand, okay? (laughs) I was thinking this. Now, I know we got some here. I'm not going to point them out to you. But thieves, just kind of throw your voice a little bit and tell me. When when you rob people, okay, (laughs) when you did your theft, did you do it when everybody was watching? (laughs) Did you do it at a time when they expected you to do it? Or did you try to do it when no one expected it? You can throw your voice. Go ahead. No, I'm just playing. Don't tell us, okay? (laughs) You know who you are. All right. So, (laughs) but like a thief means you're not going to know. You get the picture? Another another illustration would be like this. You're a parent, right? And you tell the kids, do the dishes. You ever done this? And they go, well, when do you want me to do them? Well, only as soon as possible, okay? Well, well, when are you going to check? When I check, right? I mean, that's kind of what you say to them. I want you to be about your work. Or your boss comes in and what does he say? He goes, I'm going to spot check. I mean, I'm going to come out on the floor every so often. I'm going to check to make sure everything's going right. And you say to the boss, when are you coming? No, no, I'm coming unannounced, meaning I want you to be prepared for me to come. Now, do you understand what he wants you to do when he wants you to be prepared? He wants you to be about what the work is, okay? So he wants to find you working. All right, that's just clear to everybody. All right. It's not clear to everybody, but trust me, that's very, very important to the end times. Jesus can return at any time. All right, we're going to skip over to Matthew chapter 24. And these are Jesus' words here. Now, Matthew 24 and 25 is a great place to read because what Jesus describes here is this. He's talking to his disciples, I believe, before he's going to the cross. And what he's saying to them is he's saying, if you want to know what it's like 
when the Son of Man comes, I'm going to tell you. And he predicts all kinds of things at this last part. He predicts things that were going to happen in the distant future. He predicts things that are going to happen immediately in their lifetime. One of the things was, he said, this temple will be destroyed. And not one stone will be left unturned. Not not one stone will be left on top of another one. That was fulfilled. That prophecy was literally fulfilled under Titus. He came in and leveled the place to the ground. And uh, that prophecy was fulfilled. So it's amazing, the prophecies that Jesus said. And he said that so they would know, you can believe the rest of what I'm going to say. And he goes on to tell them many things. And he says, he says you can know the season because the, you, know, you might not know the day or the hour, but you can know the season in which I come. You need to be looking for it because just like the leaves change and you know it's autumn, you'll know when the coming of the Son of Man is. Okay? And then he goes on after he says all this stuff and it confuses them. Okay? And they're like, what? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like watching Revelation. It was like watching this film earlier going, what? What does it all mean? And he says, all right, well, let me just boil it all down for you guys. Verse 36. But about the day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven. Okay? You want to circle that? No one knows. Is that clear to everybody? No one knows. No one knows when Christ will return. Not us, not the angels, not even the Son. Do you know who the Son is? That's Jesus. All right, I'm just being clear because, I mean, in a minute, you might get offended when I say what I'm about to say. All right. (laughs) Nor the Son, but only the Father. Now, I don't know how this works within the Trinity, why Jesus doesn't know one piece of thing, but he says that he doesn't, and I'm just taking it at his word, okay? And what he's saying is this. In all over Scripture, it says Jesus will come like a thief. No one will know. Nobody's going to be expecting it except for his believers because they're watching for him. Now, understand this. Nobody knows. So, So here's what I want to say to that. Stop trying to figure it out. Now, I know I'm spending a lot of time going on the negative side, but it's only because there's so much negative stuff out there. And I have to do it because I'm saying, so many people are coming to me, did you read this book? Did you read that book? Have you seen this thing? Do you know this is going to happen? Did you know there's this other strange revelation that's just coming out? So let me dispel of a couple things, okay? Number one, Jesus Christ will really, really return, okay? Number two, no one knows when that will be. He can come at any time. That's what he wants. Can I tell you what the context of this is? He doesn't want you to figure out when he's coming. He wants you to be about his work, not figuring it out. Does that make sense to everybody? So, so let me tell you a couple of things that I've read in my lifetime, just so you don't think I'm making this stuff up. When I was in high school, I was a Christian early on. So I was a Christian in high school. And I remember in 1988, there was a book called 88 Reasons Why Jesus come, Will Come in 1988. And it was a bestseller amongst Christians, even people that I knew, okay? In 1992, the exact same author wrote another book. You know what it was? 92 reasons. Well, he didn't come in 88, but he will come in 1992. Can I tell you something? Jesus didn't come in 1992. Now, fast forward a little bit. The year 2000, I'm not trying to be funny, but I'm serious. When I say real evangelical Christians with books stacked on the shelf, and if I started naming authors, you'd go, I can't believe you said that about them. But I am. Because in the year 2000, they said, well, all the calendars are predicting. Everybody knows that 2,000 years is a special date, and Jesus Christ will return in the year 2000. And I think he didn't just (laughs) because, okay? (laughs) And that's pretty funny. But anyway, he didn't come back in 2000, okay? And then they said, wait a minute, we got the calendar wrong, so he'll come back in 2002. And he didn't come back in 2002. And then they said, in 2012, I don't know if you remember this one, but the Mayan calendar ended. 
And Christians got superstitious. Can I tell you, a lot of what we talk about, about the end times, is superstitious. It's totally valueless. And what they said was, in 2012, he'll come back, and even the Mayans predicted it. Nostradamus predicted it. And the world didn't end in 2012. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm not trying to be funny. Yes, it will end one day. His deciding, but it won't have anything to do with us being able to predict it. There is no hidden numbers in the Bible we need to figure out. If there are, it doesn't matter. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Because why? Because no matter what we figure out, no matter what you see, no matter what signs you see, you don't have to wait for anything else to tell you this, okay? I'm just being honest. Jesus Christ will really, really return. Now, what more do you need to know? What do you need to know that will prove it more when he says, I can come at any time? No one knows when I will come. Let me ask you, do we need a blood moon to tell us? I'm not being funny, but there's several books being written right now about predictions and stuff that's found that nobody's ever known about, and we need something else to tell us what? That Jesus Christ will really, really return. I'm not trying to be funny, but it's taken us off focus of what he actually wants. You see, Jesus never intended for us to figure out Revelation. He don't need that. Can I tell you? Jesus doesn't need help with Revelation. He doesn't need help ushering in his kingdom at the end of time. That's not what he needs help with. He needs help with what he left us here to do. And that's what I want to talk about. Just with the little bit of time we have left, I just want to talk about. I'm not mad. I'm just dispelling of it because there's a lot of Christians that have become very superstitious. They've looked at the book of Revelation and they go, I've figured it all out. And, and Satan is having his greatest day with Christians, one, making false predictions. I can tell you, I got books from 1970 from my dad. And the same authors are authoring the same books, just change the dates. And Christians are buying them in the groves. Newspaper eschatology has went up. They have told us, I've heard all kinds of things that Mikhail Gorbachev was the Antichrist. I can keep going. Can I tell you, maybe some of them are right. Eventually, you know, if you, if you keep predicting long enough, you might be right one of these times. Can I tell you something? No matter what you figure out, Jesus Christ will really, really return. And none of that is going to help you, okay? I mean, he's coming whether we predict it or not. No one's going to know the day nor the hour that he's going to come. And even if you could figure it out, when he comes, it will be a problem. Because here's what he wants, okay? Number one, he wants you to know he's really, really going to return. Number two... He wants you to know this, that he can come at any time. And number three, the reason for all of it is he wants you to be prepared for him to return. Now, what does it mean to be prepared for his return? So here's some verses for that for you. Matthew 24, verse 42. Therefore, keep watch. He goes on to say this after he says, no one knows, not even the angels, not even the Son of Man. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Okay, there he goes again. See it? Verse 43, but understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time the night the thief would come, he would have kept watch and would have not have let his house be broken into. So what does he tell us to do? Keep watch. Maranatha, Jesus could come today. What would you do different if Jesus was going to come today? You're going to be ready. Now, let me tell you what ready means and what ready doesn't mean. If you stand there and do nothing and go, I'm just going to figure out Jesus coming, that's not what he wants. And i got to tell you, that goes right in context with what he's teaching here about the end. Now, you can read this for yourself later. You probably know the story. Maybe you didn't know the context of the story. Matthew chapter 25 is an amazing chapter in the Bible. 
And it describes, he says, when the Son of Man comes, it will be like this. And he gives several analogies. And one of them is this. He says, it will be like an owner of a house that leaves behind some servants. And to one servant, he gives ten talents of gold. And another one he gives five, and another one he gives one. And when he comes back, the one that had ten, he invested his money, and he worked for the money. And when he came back, he produced ten more. So he had twenty. And he says, well done, your good and faithful servant. Come and, and, and share in your master's happiness and your master's glory. You get the idea? And he's real happy with a servant. And the next one with five, he increased it five more. So he didn't expect him to do the same as the one with ten because he only gave him five. That's okay. And he produced ten. He, he produced five more. So he had ten. And he's like, well done, come into my house. And the last one, you know what he did? He came back and he said, I have my one. But I was scared. And I knew you were coming back. And I've been paying attention to helping things that don't matter, like building temples. Get it? Doing things that you never asked me to do. Figuring out things you never asked me to do. Supporting things you never asked me to do. Because I was scared that when you came back, I wouldn't know everything. And so I got one to offer to you. And you know what he said to that servant? You read it for yourself. Now, that's not my words. This is Jesus. He said, you wicked, lazy servant. Take the one from him and give it to the one from 10. Give it to the one with 10. Why? Because he didn't produce. It wasn't about how much. It's that he didn't do anything. All he did was sit there and try to figure it out. That's not what keeping watch is. Keeping watch is doing what God wants you to do because you know he could come at any time. Now, this parable represents our life and our investment. And do you know what Jesus wants to invest in? Let me tell you in just a minute, okay? And it's not figuring out what happens at the end. Now, I'm all for the nation of Israel. I'm not anti-Semitic one bit. I believe that they're God's chosen people and we need to bless them. But I think we need to be very careful here because here's what I'm hearing. There, is, there are Christians that have changed the gospel to meaning that Jews can be saved in a different way. Can I tell you something about that? It's heresy. I don't care what letters you have after your name or before them. It is absolute and utter heresy to say we can come to faith in Jesus Christ in any other way. We can come to God in any other way but by Jesus. I'm I'm only telling you his words. I'm telling you what the Bible says. You can read the scriptures. You will never find a place where someone will get saved other than through Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, some evangelical Christians are teaching different. Some evangelical Christians are sending money to support the Zionist movement instead of winning Jews to Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something? That's sad. Because they don't truly believe Jews could be saved. It's sad. And you read it for yourself. You listen to what they're having to say, and you're going, they are letting their ideas take over, and they have missed the main and plain things in Scripture that say this. You don't need to do a thing to help Jesus return. You get it? Because Jesus will really, really return. Number two, he will come when you don't know. He will come when he's ready. He will come at any time. And number three, you need to be prepared when he comes. Let's go on. He goes on to say this. He says, but understand this. The owner the owner of the house had known what time the thief would come. He would have kept watch and would not have left his house to be broken into. Verse 44, so you also must be ready because the son of man, how many times can he say it, right? I mean, he's stuttering because he knows we're going to get this wrong. <laughs> okay, so, so you also must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So focus on that. 
Now, we're in good company. If, if you're like, man, you know what? It's, this world is confusing, and sometimes I get off focus. That's okay. But let me explain what it means to be ready. It means to get about his work, to spread the gospel while there's still time. Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean to stare up at the sky. It doesn't mean to figure out new things. It doesn't mean to find numerology in the Bible. It doesn't mean to stare at blood moons. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I'm saying when we spend time on all these signs that don't matter to prove things that we already know, it divides us up and it's crazy. And he's saying, be ready. Let me, tell you, let me give you an example of that in the Bible. Acts chapter 1, you can write this down. Acts chapter 1 and verse 11. When Jesus Christ died, he died on the cross for the sins of the world. And then after he died, he rose from the dead and he spent 40 days with his apostles and he taught them many things. And at the very end, you know what he told them? He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. This is Matthew chapter 28. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then he said, and just so you know, because I know you're scared, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's the hope. That's, that's our mission. That's what we are to do. You get the picture? And whatever takes us off of that mission isn't good. I don't care how good it is. I don't care how interesting it is. I don't care how mystical it is. If it takes us off of that mission, it's not good. You get it? Then we're scared. What happens then at the end of the age? Then the Apostle Paul comes back and says, well, then when the Lord comes back, then so will we be with the Lord forever. So we're never without the Lord. After he rose from the dead, right, he died And he left them this, and he said, I'm getting ready to go into heaven. And then he charged them with that thing. And then he went up on the hillside of the Mount of Olives, and he ascended into heaven, out of their sight. He literally went up, and they were like, we can't see him anymore. And they stood there, I think, for hours, and stared up at the sky going, did we just see that? (laughs) Is he coming back? What's going to happen? In Acts chapter 1, verse 11, he says this, men of Galilee... All right, let me tell you who's talking. He ascends into heaven, and then two angels kind of show up behind him. (laughs) You would love this, right? They're all staring up, and these angels kind of come up and say, hey, (laughs) that would be awesome. And and they're all like, (laughs) what's going on? We just saw Jesus leave, and now these angels appeared. And they said, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. What does that mean? It means you just forgot what he said. You're standing here waiting on him and he's saying, "That's I don't want to find you staring at the sky. That's not what it means to keep watch. I don't need you to look up. <laughs> Sorry. I need you to get to work. All right? I want to find you washing the dishes, not looking at them. I want you to find you watching the dishes, not looking at a calendar, trying to figure out when I'm going to come so you can be ready, so you can kind of trick me. That's not what I want. I don't want you to know because I want you to always be prepared for my return. That's so important. Unfortunately, what we see is a lot of people have left what we're supposed to be about, and they're staring up at the sky. And I think God has sent me here today to send a message to say this. What's important about the end is this. Don't look at the sky. Be about the work because he says this. Work for the night is coming when no man can work. There's coming a day and I'm waiting for one more to come to repentance and you're trying to figure it out. You're dividing what what should have been the greatest blessing is dividing the church up. So I just want you to think about this just for a minute. Think about how this frames the entire end times. 
If you knew that Jesus Christ really, really was going to return, what else matters? Does it matter if he comes before or after the tribulation? I'm not trying to be funny. I mean, is it important? I would be happy to debate it and, and look at it and all these kinds of things. But let me ask you a question. What difference does it make? Does it matter if you go through tribulation or not? Can I tell you something? Jesus has already said you'll go through some tribulation. And, it, and all politics is local eventually. You know what I'm talking about? If you go through tribulation, it don't matter if it's the great tribulation, if you're going through it, right? Dead is dead, right? I mean, I mean, hurt is hurt, bankrupt is bankrupt, right? It doesn't matter if the whole world's going bankrupt if I am. I mean, I'm feeling it, right? And Jesus said this, in this world, there will be trouble. You know what that word means? Tribulation. But take heart, for I've overcome the world. It means I will be with you. I don't care what happens in this world. I don't care what you go through. So the fact that we might not know, the fact that why would we divide up over whether there's post-millennial, all-millennial, pre-millennial, who cares? If Jesus Christ is really, really going to return. Does that make sense to everybody? Jesus can come at any time. We don't need to protect it. We don't need to help it. We don't need to figure his part out. What we need to do is be prepared in the work that he's left us here to do. Does that make sense to everybody? So here's what I want you to do. One question. It's the same question that vexes me. Are you ready for Jesus Christ to return? If we were to say Maranatha today and say Jesus Christ will return right now today, let me ask you a question. Are you ready? Somebody goes, yeah. Let me ask you differently. Would you be happy with what he's finding you doing? You claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. What are you doing? Is this what you want him to find you doing? Let this motivate you. You get the reason why he said it? He goes, I want the end to not be scary. I want it to be a motivator to say, you know what? I want you to find me doing this. Not because of guilt. It's not because we're scared he's going to send us to hell. It's because we're saying, hey, we want the one that loves us most to find us. Just like my wife. I wouldn't want her to find me doing something and go, I love my wife so much. I don't want her finding me doing something that's horrible. You know what I mean? And that's what it's like for him. So let me ask you a question. Are you ready? For some people today, I need to ask, do you even know him? If he came back today and time stood still and he said, this is it. You've had your opportunity to, to, to find me and you haven't. Would you be out? Would you not know him? Today is a perfect opportunity to ask yourself, do I know him? Why would you want to live a moment longer without him? Jesus Christ came and he died and he rose from the dead. And he's offering you resurrection power to forgive you of your sins. He's asking you to come in. Maybe you need somebody to pray with today. We'll have some people here after the service. Please come, pray with us. Please invite him into your life. Maybe for some people, maybe it's, you've never been water baptized. You know, say go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Maybe you've never taken the next step. Let me explain a little bit what that means. It's not just about getting in a pool of water. It's about saying, hey, I have decided to follow Jesus, but I've kind of kept that to myself. But now it's time for me to come out and say, you know what? I want everybody to know. And I know what that does because now all of a sudden I'm, now I'm on display. Now it's, well, people know that I'm saying. They're going to say I'm a Christ follower. That means I've got to kind of change my lifestyle and, and I've got to be part now and all these kinds of things. Maybe you've never done that. We're having water baptism May 15th. Maybe you need to sign up for it. What if he comes before? It's okay because here's what I want to do on May 15th. I think he would understand why we want to do this. We want to be able to invite all your friends. It isn't just about the church family celebrating. It's about the lost person coming and saying, he saved you? Man, if he saved you, he could save anybody, right? <laughs> right? He could save John Hunter. He could save anybody. He could bring him back to faith. Man, he could bring anybody back to faith. You get the idea? That's what it's all about. So if you've never done it, please sign up. 
You can go out to the Welcome Center. You can sign up on your connection card. Let us know. Maybe he's calling you. Maybe you need to be part for the very first time. Next Sunday, we're not having first service again. We're having a pastor's breakfast. So you get to be with me and eat pancakes this time, <laughs> which is awesome. And so here's the prerequisites for coming to the breakfast. If you're new, you've never plugged into this church, or you've never plugged into this church. Some people said, hey, I've been here for a while, and I know I'm not new, but I've never really plugged in. You can come, okay? Sign up. Just go out there and sign up at the Welcome Center. We'd love to have you. And start plugging in and finding out what God has for you. Maybe, maybe you need to invite somebody. Maybe you've been studying theology. Maybe you've gotten into all kinds of things. Maybe you know all kinds of good things, but you ain't invited a soul in years. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to say, man, you're really smart. You really figured out a lot of stuff. And then he's going to tell you just like he told the disciples, you know, you're not really blessed for knowing God's word. (laughs) You're blessed by doing it. In fact, he goes further. He says, if you don't do it, you're actually worse off because now you know and you didn't do. You get the picture? So you're not blessed by knowing it only. You're blessed by knowing it and doing it. And you know what he wants? He wants all to be able to come to repentance. Who are you willing to reach out to? He's not coming back to find a think tank. He's not going to be impressed by our knowledge. You know what he's going to be impressed by? The people we reach before the time is up. Are you ready for Jesus Christ to return? Let's stand for prayer. Father God, we come before you today, and Lord, I hope that what I say is not a rant, because it wasn't intended that way for me, but I pray your words will convey. But what I see, Lord, and I believe that I've wrestled with this, and it's taken this long to ever bring a message like this, because I've been wrestling with it. There's so many things that are cool about the book of Revelation, there's so many things that are cool about studying it, and I hope we can get into more of it, but... I hope maybe we don't focus on the wrong things and miss the main thing. That's what I'm praying for today, God. I'm praying for the one that maybe walked through the doors and goes, you know what, everything scares me about it. I don't even want to think about Jesus returning. I don't want to think about dying. I don't want to think about any of that stuff. I just, I just put it out of my mind and just go on another day. But I hope that today maybe they could see a bright future that, that God could give them. And maybe they could reach out to you for the very first time. I believe if they reach out to you, you're already reaching back. You can come in, you save them and change their life. God, I pray for the one that may be saying, you know what, I need to take the next step. I need to be baptized, but I've never done anything like that. I pray you give them the courage to take the next step. I pray for the one that says, you know what, I've never really plugged into the church. Maybe I've been here a long time, but I've never plugged in. That maybe they'd have the courage to sign up to come next week and just meet us and, and, and talk and figure out, hey, how could I plug in? I pray for the Christian that's struggling because somehow they got off track. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's not even a sin. Maybe it's, maybe it's something that was good that they got obsessed about, but now that they look at it, they're going, you know what, all it's brought to me is fear. All it's brought to me is division. You know what I need to do? I need to kind of get back with God and go, you know what, what's important? And as they focus on those things, maybe we could see real people come to faith in Jesus Christ. So when you return, you could say, well done, your good and faithful servant. And when we turn to see what our reward is, we realize it's the people we get to take with us when we go. (laughs) Wouldn't that be something, God? God, I just pray you receive all the honor and the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.